0: When I saw uh, Blake and Shawna Whittle-Arrington in our sanctuary this morning, didn't know they were going to be here, but of course jumped at the opportunity for them to come and share with us a little bit about their ministry in the northern hill country of Thailand. We've had a couple of teams go and work with them and and come back with, with great reports, but they were on the field for three years, and now they're back preparing to go to seminary. So we uh, I invited... Blake and Shauna to come and just share with us a few minutes. Aaliyah and Emily, uh, I guess, are home. Uh Am-
1: is in the
0: child care. Oh, child care here. Good. Well, we're glad, glad y'all are here and uh, they're two daughters. So share with us a little bit about your ministry in Thailand. And you've been on our prayer list for three years. And we just want an update about how God has worked there and, and what you've seen happen.
1: Well, it's really, really good to be here with you tonight, even though the rain and the storm is going on. Uh, You know, eight years ago was the last time I stood in this place. I made a really big commitment that day. (laughs) (laughs) I do, as I believe the words that were uttered. Uh, Shauna and I were married here about eight eight years and a week, maybe something like that. And uh, so we have a a special connection to this place as well. So... um, But we did want to come and just, uh, first of all, thank you guys. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, allowing us to stay on your prayer list for so long. Uh, You know, we have just returned, like uh, Brother Wayne said, from the kingdom of Thailand. And um, that is a dark, dark place. And Satan has a very, very strong uh, foothold in Thailand right now. Uh, And it's, it's a hard place to be. It's also a place that is ripe for harvest, and uh, God has a plan and is moving in that place. Um, We were told just before we came by our supervisor, by the way, I was elected by uh, our family to to represent (laughs) us. We took a vote, and I lost somehow. I don't... The math didn't work out, but uh, uh, but we... we, we were told by our supervisor before coming out that uh, not to expect to see uh, conversions or see people come to know the Lord. Uh, we just needed to come and be ready to plug away and build relationships and love on the people and share with them as best we could. But uh, you know what? God had other, another idea for us. And uh, we were so, so thankful to be able to, to arrive in Thailand just at harvest. Uh, while we were there, Shauna, uh, just by a stroller and a little uh, 12-month-old baby going around our neighborhoods and, and Shauna being faithful to witness and talk to ladies and, and just uh, uh, just continuing to plug away in our neighborhood, which uh, was very resistant to the gospel. She found one lady, this one lady who was interested, and she said, you know, something that you're saying is touching my heart, and I, wanna, I would like to hear more. Our pastor lived uh, just down the road from us, our pastor, our Thai pastor, and uh, Shauna began uh, working with his wife to go and visit her and talk to her. Um, and, uh, you know, today, because of Shauna's faithfulness and the Lord's moving in that woman's heart, there are, I mean, how many ladies now? What do you think? 15. About 15, 15 or 20 ladies that are meeting in a neighboring village from where we lived, and they are worshiping Jesus Christ. Amen. And they are baptized believers. <laughs> and, uh,. Praise, the God. Praise God. Praise God. He, he was so good, and, and uh, he, he was what those ladies needed, and, and uh, that was just an amazing thing. And, and it really was a great example to the, the Thai Christians that were in that community, just the, the few Thai Christians in that community to see that it can happen, that the Holy Spirit can move in people's lives and change lives. And, uh, and so it was just a great testament to the Lord. And so we thank God for that. Uh, we, uh, I also worked in a small church plant that was about an hour away up in the hill tribe, up in the hills of, of uh, where we lived. We lived in a valley and we had to travel through the mountains about an hour. and uh, that church plant uh, within a year of, of me uh, continuing to go there. Our team had been going there for about seven years and had about uh, about seven Christians that, that loved the Lord and would continue to come on a weekly basis and uh, but hadn't seen hadn't seen anybody new come in a while and uh, one man came one day and said I'm interested in what you're talking about I'm interested in the story of God and so we we went and in talking with him we went to his house and we talked with him and his his uh, it turned out it wasn't just him he had shared with his wife and his wife said "Uh, I agree I want to be I want to be in the family of God and so um, that night that day uh, turned into evening, we built a, uh, a small baptistry underneath their home that, that was on stilts, their small bamboo hut on stilts, and we built a baptistry out of a blue tarp with logs and rocks and some water, and we baptized their whole family, uh, father, uh, mother, daughter, and son, and, and uh, four new souls come, came into the kingdom of God that day, and we were just so thankful to the Lord for His moving and, and just showing us His faithfulness to change people's hearts. You know, it was just so exciting to see those things happen. And, and I wanted to bring that report to you and tell you that God is moving in, the, in that place. Um, but it's not without its darkness. And, and Shauna and I definitely had our share of darkness there. When we moved there, there were uh, two spirit houses in our, in our yard. What's a spirit house? A spirit house is a, a small uh, model of a house, really. Uh, it, sometimes they're very ornate and they have uh, jewels or mirrors or things like that that are just make them look pretty and things. But you know what? They have monks come and they invite demons to live in those small houses. Okay? And they're on our, on our property where we have rented and we're living. Uh, they have invited Satan to come and to live in that place. And there's nothing more that he wants than to just be invited, right? So, a year into our time there... Um, about six months we hadn't been sleeping we had been having crazy dreams uh, Aliyah was just off the wall I mean it was really hard to manage our marriage was strained I mean when you're not sleeping uh, when you're not sleeping good at night and you're stressed it's hard and uh, we just were just fighting this 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 thing that we didn't know what it was and one day I don't know, it was through Shauna's Bible study, she came to me and said, you know, this is spiritual warfare. This, this whole thing is spiritual warfare, and that's what we're dealing with. And uh, when she said that, the light clicked, the light bulb clicked on in my head, and I realized what we were dealing with. You know, we are, uh, that, that spiritual battle the Bible talks about, the spiritual battle between the forces of good and the forces of evil, the forces of God and the forces of the, of the devil uh, fighting against one another, and uh, we were caught right in the middle because our landlord had invited demons to live in this place. And so Shauna and I went around to our home, went around our home, we prayed, we prayer walked our house, we went into each room, uh, we sang songs of praise to God, and we told the Lord that uh, this we claim this territory for you. This is the, the territory of Jesus Christ and, and no other. And we don't want anything else in this house that is uh, against Jesus Christ. And so um You know the next day it was like a weight was lifted off of us, we began sleeping good. Uh, things just started coming back into into focus and uh, one thing that they told us is you're never going to get those spirit houses moved off of your property and uh, that that same day Shauna and I walked around that spirit house and we prayed and we said look we't we don't want demons here in the name of Jesus we don't want uh, any anything any uh, uh uh, any foreign uh, presence here that is not of Christ. And uh, we prayed hard, and we prayed, and it took weeks. You know, but one day we came home, and that thing was gone. That thing was gone, and, and uh, we, our, our friends didn't believe us. Our Thai friends didn't believe that it was gone, and they came over to all look. <laughs> they couldn't believe it. I mean, they said that it, that is unheard of because... The landlord is afraid of the spirits he 's afraid of those demons that they're going to do something bad to him, but uh, through a translator and things we were able to tell him we, we believe in God we believe in the Supreme Creator the supreme Spirit, the spirit of God that is greater than all things and so um, that was a that was just an a amazing time and another thing that just God answers prayers God is faithful to answer those prayers and we also sent out emails asking you guys to pray and None of that, we, we believe none of that would have been possible if, if all the prayer warriors here at First Baptist Tifton uh, had helped us and had lifted us up and had been war- uh, prayer warriors with us. That wouldn't have been the same. Um, but because of our brothers and sisters here that were able to help us and pray, we just thank y'all so much. Your prayers mean more to, you, more to us than we can possibly even express. Um, and, and we just thank y'all for, for keeping us lifted up and uh, for all these years and You sent um, a motley crew of teenagers over there at one point or another. Uh, I have never seen so many groceries come over in a couple suitcases, you know, and then like a pair of underwear and then like, you know, crackers, peanut butter, and all. They were afraid of some Thai food, or some of them were. Uh, But we had a great time. Uh, That team was like a breath of fresh air, I mean, for me and for Shauna. We enjoyed them so much, and they had a lot of fun. A couple of them are here tonight, and uh, good to see them again. and I know Zach wouldn't want me to even, even bring up the fact that he really wanted to wrestle me and I, and I had to, you know, put him on the ground. But I didn't, I'm not even going to talk about that or bring that up tonight. So, um, and we thank you for your, uh, your the financial support uh, because none of, none of our, our time there would have been possible without that either. I mean, uh, we, you got to buy bread and milk, which was for us, our case was about an hour away when we first got there. Uh, and I have to drink milk. I just love milk. So. Uh, but uh, we thank you so much for your financial support. You guys are, uh, are faithful supporters of our cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, where all churches in the Southern Baptist Convention get to contribute to one big pot. And uh, that money, uh, a good portion of that money goes overseas, as well as the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That money is so important. You have no idea what a weight that lifts off of missionaries overseas to, uh, to just know that we're taken care of and that our, our Southern Baptist churches are there to support us and, and take care of us, especially in this financial hard crunch time. I mean, IMB was hit just like everybody. And um, so we thank y'all for being faithful and just uh, appreciate that so much. Uh, do you have anything you would like to add, my, my lovely wife? Okay.
2: I know the, um, the ladies are having a luncheon on Tuesday, and so the ladies are going to get to hear... You know more about what it's like to be a wife and a mother overseas which is quite different from the traveling father who got to travel into the hill tribe villages every day and was gone for days and sometimes a week with the mission teams and things like that so my life looked very different from his and as uh, so I am looking forward to the opportunity to share that Tuesday at lunch but um, but yeah the prayers are what Tuesday. sustained us no not this Tuesday, next Tuesday. yeah next Tuesday sorry But the prayers are what sustained me and my family and gave me strength. And so we just really, really thank you guys for that.
3: Okay. That's a tough act to follow. Um,
1: Stand with me, please. And let's sing hymn number 238, breathe on me.
3: Pray with me. Father, holy and sacred is your love for us. Your love for us, Father, we realize is without measure. It extends to the darkest parts of the world and reaches into the depths of our hearts to bring light and life and fill us with your abundant love. We recognize, Father, that all that you give us is a gift from you all that we have all that we are is a gift from you and we praise you father for the blessings that you pour out upon us daily the showers of rain and the showers of love that we experience daily in our life and father we just thank you so much for those blessings we thank you father for the gift of material things that helps us sustain our physical bodies and our lives here in this world. We thank you, Father, for the abilities and the talents that you have blessed each of us with to minister to one another and to offer up songs and joy of praise and minister according to your will and your grace. And, Father, we thank you for the people that you have blessed us with, from our families to our friends to our co-workers, And we pray, Father, that your love flows through us as a channel to bless and minister to each one of those people that you have placed in our lives. We pray, Father, that in all our things that you have given us, that we will be faithful stewards. And we will take this, Father, as we offer back to you a portion of the material things that you have blessed us with. That you would use it, Father, to accomplish your will and your purpose in this world. May your name be glorified, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: would never feel the fire or shiver in the cold but I did say you would never walk through this world alone and I did say don't make this world your own I never Find you in the night, or the loneliness was something you never have to fight. But I did say that I'd be right there by your side. Mm-hmm. And I did say I'd always help you fight.
4: Don't you know.
2: promise I made to you I never said the friends would never turn their backs on you Or that the world around you wouldn't see you as a fool But I did say like me You'll surely be this I did say My ways Confound the wise. I didn't Say you never Taste the bitter taste of Death or have to walk Through chilly Jordan To enter into Rest but I did Say I'd be waiting Right on the Other side I did say I'll dry every tear you cry. But you know I made a promise
4: that I'll prepare a place. That someday sooner than you think, you'll see me face to face, and you'll sing with the angels and a countless multitude. This is the promise. This is the promise I've made you. So just keep on walking, don't turn to the- And in the midst of darkness Let this be your light. That hell can separate us And we're gonna make it through This is the promise This is the promise I've made you Oh, this is the promise This is the promise Made
0: to you. Thank you, Becky. Well, all this ties in beautifully to what I'm to say tonight, which I guess should come as no surprise if God is in this. Mark 5, 1 through 20 is the passage where Jesus cast out the demon and the Gadarene demoniac, as we call it. And, And I just wanted to look at that Scripture briefly tonight to remember the power in Jesus' name. And we sang that. There's something about that name And there really is. Mark 5, verse 1 says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. When he had come out of the boat, there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, even with a chain, for he had often been bound with fetters and chains. But the chains he wrenched apart and the fetters he broke into pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him and crying out with a loud voice. He said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to the man, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him eagerly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a great herd of swine was feeding on the hillside, and they begged him, Send us to the swine. Let us enter them. So he gave them leave, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd numbered about 2,000, rushed down into the steep bank, into the sea, and were drowned in the sea. And the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came out to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there clothed and in his right mind, the man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their neighborhood. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. But he refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all men marveled. Let's pray. Father, we realize there is something special about the name of Jesus. And when we're afraid, when trouble surrounds us when we are in desperate straits and there's nowhere else to turn. We thank you there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother and his name is Jesus. And just in that name, there is limitless power at our disposal. Help us to understand and not fear that power that you offer us and help us to use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What's the one thing people are seeking most of all in our society as it continues to deteriorate? I think it's power. I think people are making promises that they can't deliver on because they don't have the resources because they don't have the power. And that was not so in the life of Jesus. In Mark 5, Jesus confronts demonism Head on, and apparently Blake and Shauna saw it every day just about where they lived. Here's a case study. In verses 1 through 5, there are characteristics of demon possession. In verses 6 through 13, there's a confrontation between Jesus and the demon. In verses 14 through 20 are the twofold consequences of that confrontation first for the townspeople, and then for the demoniac himself. So what, what is it about this that can instruct us when facing spiritual warfare today? Well, in verses 1 through 5, Jesus goes five miles across the lake to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. It was not heavily populated, but there were ten cities and because of the ten cities, the Greek word decapolis means deca means ten, polis means city. So as a, a a fairly sparsely populated area with ten small towns called the Decapolis. It was Gentile, which would make sense because pigs would never be raised on Jewish soil. You know how Jews felt about pigs. Well, it was into that area that Jesus moved, and when he gets out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit runs up to meet him. And there are four real simple characteristics that you can see about demon possession. And missionaries in other parts of the world tell graphic, incredible stories about demon possession. I'm afraid to say that in the last 10 to 15 years, there are more of these characteristics showing up in America than ever before. I remember a policeman telling me uh, who had seen graphic examples of demon possession. Satan worship is going on all around us, friends we'd better educate ourselves because where there is a strong presence of the word of God, demons do not and cannot prevail. But in a pagan society, these characteristics flourish. First of all, the characteristics of demons is filth, just pure filth physically and morally. No coincidence, wherever you see demonism, you see filth and squalor and rubbish and dirt. It's no accident that with the rise of Satanism, and the occult in America, you also see an increase in drug abuse and pornography and sexual perversion and obscenity. I don't think many of us would have expected 20 years ago to see what's on network television today. And I'm not saying cable television, I'm saying the major network television that has changed because our society is slowly accepting it more and more. The second characteristic of demonism is isolation. He lived alone in the tombs, in a cemetery. Demon possession, the person withdraws, cut off physically and emotionally from others. The third one is superhuman physical strength. I remember hearing stories from missionaries who would describe the unbelievable strength of people possessed by demons. Here in the biblical account, no one could bind this man, not even with chains. He tore them apart. He broke the irons that were on his feet. They tried to restrain him, but they gave up because it was just impossible. Not for lack of their effort, but because of his superhuman ability. Finally, there's self-destruction. Night and day, not only did this man cry out among the tombs, but it says he, he cut himself and he bruised himself with stones, wandering around, just crying out. You know, Satan's not stupid. He does not go for people at the bottom of the pile. He goes for people at the top. He goes after people who are making a difference for the kingdom of God. He goes for people who could be good and useful tools in his evil hands to accomplish his purposes. I remember very graphically a story of a man flying on an airplane, and he was sitting next to a picture who had uh, sitting next to a man who had pictures of Billy Graham and and uh, Mother Teresa and and other evangelists, Christians, preachers, teachers. And the man sitting next to him said, are you praying for those people? And the other man admitted. He said, oh, no. He said, I believe in Satan. I'm praying against them. I'm praying that some, something will come against them. Friends, that's the power of Satan that's out there attacking Christians. But Jesus arrives, and there's several things that happen here between Jesus and the demoniac. First, the man knew Jesus' presence at a distance and he ran and fell on his knees because he recognized the power of God. The name of Jesus is the only name that has power over the demon that will shut his mouth. So he said at the top of his voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? They recognized Jesus. They recognized his deity A lot of intelligent people don't have a clue as to who Jesus is, but no demon on the face of the planet is dark on that subject. The disciples in Mark are slow to catch on to who Jesus is, but the demons, whenever they appear in the story, always address Jesus in terms of his deity. They know immediately who he is. And he he said, swear to God you won't torture me. But Jesus said, come out, you evil spirit. Come out of this man. Demons are afraid of their final doom. They're asking to come out because they do not want to be extinguished. They know what their ultimate destination is. And finally, Jesus says, what is your name? And that's significant because remember in the Bible, a name of someone is not just an appellation. It's not just a title. A name is the character of that person. It's who that person is all wrapped up In letters. So when Jesus is asking for the name of this demoniac, and the demoniac gives him his name, Jesus immediately has power over him. He says, My name is Legion. A Legion was a Roman army with about 6,000 soldiers, 1,200 horsemen, technical specialists who accompanied the whole regiment. So it was thousands of soldiers. My name is Legion. I used to think that was just a thousand, but it's more than that. For we are many. Multiple personalities. The change between persons. It's difficult to tell who's talking. Is it the man here or is it the demon? But now Jesus knows his name. He has control over him. And that's the final thing here. Jesus is in control. You might need this someday. He gave them permission to leave the man, and only then did the evil spirits come out and go into the pigs. And the herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now, as I've mentioned before, I have, I have heard this is the first instance of deviled ham in the Bible. It's also an example of... I'm not through. <laughs> It's also an example of suicide. (laughs) And I thought of this one. It's also an example of uh, where the swine flew. (laughs) Just not very far. And not very well. So where are the consequences? Did the townspeople come out and praise Jesus for saving their demoniac friend who had been in and out of the tombs for years? Did they come out and say, praise the Lord, what a blessing you are to our community. Here's the man that we had no control over to, to help and here's the man who cured him, let's praise him and make him our leader. No. Those tending to the pigs ran off to the town and told them what happened and the people I think in town must have thought these pig herders must be Think we're idiots. They've gone and sold those 2,000 pigs somewhere. So they came out to investigate. In verse 10, it says, when they saw Jesus and they saw the man that had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, it says in verse 15, they were afraid. And the word for fear there means filled with awe, awe awestruck. It was awesome. Those who had seen it told the townspeople what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and they were filled with awe. But when they heard about their beloved pigs, they asked Jesus to leave because pigs were more important than people to them. They're not really concerned about the soul of this man. They're more concerned about the swine because it hit them in their pocketbooks. Whenever you see conflict between the welfare of an individual versus the wealth of many, the wealth of many will always take precedence over the welfare of the one. Sadly, that's the way it is. So what about the demoniac? In verses 18 and 20, Jesus is getting into the boat to leave, and the man who had been demon-possessed begs to go with him, and Jesus says, You go home to your family, and you tell them two things. You tell them what the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and he began to proclaim in all the Decapolis what Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. What I want you to see here is the power of God at work as Blake and Shauna have seen the power of God in conflict with the power of Satan. There is no comparison. Look at the before and after. Before the demoniac was restless, after he's sitting quietly, before he's naked, afterwards he's clothed, before he's out of control, afterwards he's in his right mind. No, such a transformation is impossible apart from the power of God impacting this man's life. Satan has power, yes, and we need to take it seriously. But don't ever forget, God's power is greater you remember that verse, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? I'll never, I also remember a story from my last church. The woman's name was Lucille. And she told me a story about on a, on a twisting mountain road and uh, they had a small car, she and her husband Ryland, and the car lost control on that winding mountain road and she didn't know what to do, but raise up her arms and shout the name, Jesus. And somehow, miraculously, they regained control of the car and continued on their journey. Something similar happened to me and Susan. We were uh, driving back to seminary one winter and going through the mountains of Tennessee on the expressway. I had a little Mercury Capri. Do you remember the Capris in the 70s? And I had gotten a real cheap file cabinet for Christmas from my parents. And I had it tied onto the top of our car. <laughs> Have you ever seen a small car with a file cabinet tied on top? It was, it was real attractive. had a piece of plastic over it to keep it dry. But of course, after getting out of Atlanta, most of the plastic had blown off. And, and I guess the file cabinet was just flapping in the wind up there. But we got up into the mountains of Tennessee and hit some snow. Uh, It's pretty often up there. And my car started sliding and Susan just out of the blue. Oh, Jesus, help us, help us, help us. I was, you know, I was so startled. I jerked the wheel and really did lose control. (laughs) If she had just warned, I said, she said, don't you want me to cry out to Jesus? I said, yes, just warn me when you're going to do it. Thankfully, we uh, we got to a, a place of safety and were able to get through the night and then continue the journey the next day. But but I'll never forget that example of our car sliding and Susan calling out the name of Jesus and the power that is made manifest when you turn to Him in humility. I don't think we tap that resource often enough. Maybe you're facing an impossible situation. You need to look to the power of God. Somebody sitting here this evening says, you don't know what I'm going through. I have these habits and desires I can't control. I'm beyond hope. Well, let me tell you something. If that demoniac were here this evening, he would say, you are wrong. There is hope. And that hope is not in something. It's in someone. It's in a person and his name is Jesus. It's not a program, it's not a plan, it's not a prescription, it's a person, Jesus Christ. And he may use a variety of means to accomplish his purposes and make you whole, but never forget the ultimate answer to all of your problems is a person, and his name is Jesus, and I just can't say that name enough. Look at what the demoniac does from this point on. He went away and began to proclaim and told what God has done for him. And the first place he went and the best place to start, incidentally, was his own family. So this former demoniac becomes an evangelist. And he becomes the first evangelist to the Gentiles in the Decapolis, which was a whole ten-city territory. One man's obedience opens up ten cities to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just tell him what Jesus had done for him. It's as simple as that. A lot of people reject Jesus, but this one man received him. It says in the beginning of John, He came to his own, but his own received him not, yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them power to become the children of God. And that, friends, is the only real kind of power worth having today. There's a story from World War II that's a perfect conclusion here. General Jonathan Wainwright was captured by the Japanese and held in a Manchurian concentration camp. And for years he was so cruelly treated he became a broken, crushed, hopeless, starving POW. When the Japanese surrendered and the war ended, A U.S. Army colonel was sent to the camp to announce to the general that that Japan had been defeated and this general was now free to take command of the concentration camp. Wainwright heard the news and he went to his quarters and he was confronted by some Japanese guards who began to mistreat and abuse him just as they had done in the past. But Wainwright, with the news of the Allied victory fresh in his mind, declared with authority, No! No! You listen to me. I'm in command now. You obey my orders. From that moment on, General Wainwright was in command of the camp. And that's the way it is with us. Do you know that the Savior of the world has won the greatest conflict of all ages? Then rise up and assert your rights. Never again Go under when the enemy oppresses. Claim the victory in Jesus' name because the power of God is available to all who need it and who ask for it and who cry out. Shall we pray? Father, we read in the pages of the gospel about an encounter between Jesus and a demon-possessed man. And we believe it and we see what happened. And then we hear Blake and Shauna talk about a spirit house right in their own front yard and and what it did to them and how it affected them and how their prayers overcame it. So, Father, we know that same power that existed 2,000 years ago is still available today and it's power in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Son of God. And when we face problems and trials and and struggles and we're ready to throw in the towel and give Satan the victory, just remind us that even though Satan has power, Jesus' power is greater still. There's power in his name. There's authority in his name. And by crying out to Jesus... And yielding to him, that power flows through us in whatever moment of need may exist. Thank you for not leaving us hopeless or helpless or powerless, but through the Holy Spirit giving us Jesus Christ, who is within us, whose power is always available. If we will only turn to him, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. 316, Jesus is tenderly calling. Notice Jesus Jesus does not demand that you come. He does not stomp his foot and assert his rights over you, but he is quietly, tenderly loving you, calling you unto himself. If you would like to respond, hymn 316, Jesus is tenderly calling. I'll be at the front to receive you. You come.